0: Talking with Tech is sponsored by Q-Interactive, Pearson's iPad-based system for testing, scoring, and reporting. Experience unheard of efficiency and client engagement with 20 top tests, all delivered digitally. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial at pearsonclinical.com TWT18. Um, after that 30 days, if you want to go ahead and use it, call 1-800-627-7271 and give them promo code TWT18 to get 10% off the Q-Interactive license. Uh, This is only good through the end of the year, December 31st, 2018, so try
1: it now. Well, welcome back to Talking with Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined today by Chris Bouguet. How are you doing, Chris?
0: Uh, I'm a little bit uh, tired today, Rachel. I just flew in from the Arksha conference, which is the, the you know, the, you know, there's the American Speech and Hearing Association, and then there's the state versions of those. I was at the Arkansas one, got to present there. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was You're a good Shana. time. <laughs> If anyone's listening from Arksha, because I definitely showed off the podcast there, you know, please leave us a, a quick comment on Facebook, in the Facebook group, and let us know. They're like, hey, Chris,
1: thanks for coming to Show. It was great. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never, I mean, I, I know that all of the speech and language associations, they have their own individual conferences, but I feel like Show, that sounds so cool.
0: Yeah, right. It's got a cool name to it. It's kind of a cool sounding name. They were. They were Awesome there too, like just amazing therapists doing amazing work. Just great conversations. It was, I mean, I'm sure that's happening everywhere, but it was just so great to be surrounded with your people. You know what I mean? Room full of speech therapists talking about AAC and the needs, and 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 it was just so great to be there.
1: Yeah, I really love doing um, doing those kinds of presentations because it's always a room full of people really interested in AAC. And I feel like lots of different diverse backgrounds. You know, you always have some people that know a ton about AAC and are just, you know, kind of continuing to learn. And then you have some new grads who are really interested. So I just, it's always kind of a mixed bag. And the common denominator is everybody always is really engaged and interested about AAC, which gotta love it.
0: Yeah, there's this, when, when the conference was, is over, people walk out with this feeling of enthusiasm you know this this camaraderie that we can do it you know and then you know you go back and you you have this new uplifting experience like you know what it's not all doom and gloom I can totally make this happen and 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 now I have I've expanded my uh, professional learning network because I've met other people and I've chatted with other people that are kind of in the same boat as I am and so I can reach out to them and they can reach out to me and you're 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 in this uh experience together
1: Yeah. It reminds me of the Carol Zangari episode where we talked about professional development. And that's one of the biggest takeaways is that feeling of hope and inspiration. Um, You know, you don't always remember all the technical details of all the presentations, especially if you go to something as overwhelming as ASHA uh, or one of these other conferences where there's so much, you know, going on and so many talks, Uh, but I think the best presentations are the ones where you leave feeling really inspired. Um, Inspired to do something different, um, inspired because you learned a new perspective or a different approach. Um, so I think that's one of the the best takeaways is like you know continue doing professional development because um, you know you're always gonna get fresh ideas and and new perspectives.
0: Well, speaking of inspirational, this interview today that you're going to hear is Lindsay Payden Cargill, and she came up with this awesome idea called the Chatterbox Challenge. And so what that is, is is basically she was experiencing the same thing I think a lot of us experience, which is the communication partners are having trouble learning where all the buttons are on a device, how do you become more fluent with the system you're trying to help someone else learn. And so what she came up with was what if uh, we went out and did something social and with the communication partners, not even the user, but the communication partners are required to use the system. You know, maybe it's like we go out to lunch or dinner or wine or someplace social and we sit and we try and have a conversation, but only thing you can use is the communication system.
1: I love that idea. It actually reminds me of a assignment that I had in grad school. So it had nothing to do with AAC, but it was a fluency class. And we were taught how to pseudo-stutter. And then we were assigned to go out in the community and pick three different places and pseudo-stutter. And just kind of, you know, that was the assignment. And then we had to write about our experience. And going into it, I thought, yeah, like, I got this. Like, I just have to go three different places and pseudo-starter? Like, okay. And the day, I'll never forget the day I walked into a grocery store and I was like, I got this. And the moment I started talking, I got this pit in my stomach, this like nerves, like totally hit. And it was a really moving experience, and I'm really thankful for that experience because, you know, we take for granted the fact that we can communicate without stuttering, and you know, we can say what we want to say, and we can go to a grocery store and ask for help. Um, So I think that any experience where we're able to kind of see through the lens of our potential clients is really powerful and. It and was, it, was, it was surprising to me because I never thought that I would be nervous for something like that. And, you know, the most powerful thing was, you know, we all went back to class and we kind of shared our experiences. And our, I'll never forget my teacher, um, Joe Donaher, who he's really pretty well known in the fluency field. He was my instructor. And he said, okay, you know, you guys all had this experience and you could stop You could stop the disfluencies from coming. You had that control. Now imagine those experiences, but you don't have the control to stop the stuttering. Um, So I just thought it was such a powerful experience, and I was really, um, it it stuck with me. Um, So it feels like this is very similar um, for AAC users.
0: Absolutely. It totally, hey, I had that same, we didn't have the same professor. We didn't go to the same, but our professor didn't fluency class, did the exact same thing. I can specifically remember going to the grocery store and standing in the aisle. Like it sticks with you, that, that lesson, right? So, and I think Lindsay and I even talk about it a little bit about using that sort of same strategy with the Chatterbox challenge. It's a very similar experience when we were talking about it uh the chatterbox challenge it got me thinking about all these different creative ways like the tips and tricks of getting people to model you know like what are all the different ways we can help the communication partner become more fluid uh, and fluent on the device to help the to help the person learn you know how to speak how to use the language so one of the ways that i was thinking just a, a real simple way that i know a bunch of my teachers do is uh, they will make a big giant poster of of the home screen of uh, any communication system they're using. And they'll post it up on the wall in the classroom. And then when they're looking for fringe vocabulary or words that are not on the home screen, they'll put a little sticky note that says, okay, this word goes with this word. You know, when you're looking for uh, thirsty, it's under the word drink, you know, and they'll put a little sticky note there just to, hey, look, I, like, I discovered where it is. And the next time I need to find it, there's a little sticky note on the wall, kind of like remember back when you were in school, and you were first learning the alphabet, you could look up at the wall, and you could see your word wall of all the words to writing, like it's the same sort of concept, but it's to help the communication partner learn where the words are. And I just love that. You know, I love to see that when I go in. Like, I didn't tell you to put a poster up. You knew to do that. That's awesome.
1: That's amazing. I really love that idea. And, you know, we oftentimes think about AAC through the lens of our users, right, and the students that we work with, but it's really important to have these kind of tips and tricks and strategies for the communication partners because they, too, are learning the systems, um, and it's really vital that they learn these systems so that they're able to model um, and teach the learners kind of where they are. Um, one of the things that I think is underutilized is the search function in a lot of these apps, and it's it's always a, a wow factor when I go in, and, you know, I see a teacher or, you know, another SLP struggling to find a word. And I'm like, hey, guess what? Like, we can search for this word. Um, You know, a lot of the systems have search functions, and it's a really, really great feature. Um, The other thing that I always uh try to remind staff and communication partners is that we don't have to know where all these words are i think there's this idea like i need to be an expert before i get in front of this kid and start modeling Um, and i always am you know very open if there's not if i can't find a word i you know do kind of a think aloud and i'm like hmm like i wonder where that word is maybe it's in things Um, and i'm kind of describing to the student you know my thought process because that think aloud and that. Processing or that problem solving to try to figure out where a word is, is a it's a teaching opportunity. And so I think that it's really important that you know, to, to remember that we don't need to know where all these words are first and foremost, um, you know, it's, and it's not expected at first, you know, it's like anything else. When you start learning something, you have to be really kind and gentle with yourself to not feel like you need to know where all the words are, um, and using, you know, the search function and the think aloud strategy, I feel like are really, um, two important things to remember, um, to kind of help you through that process.
0: So, you know, I think it's even beneficial to not know where all the words are. And what I mean by that is if you look back at like the Jill Center and Matt Baud episode or the uh, Tabby Jones and episodes in, you know, in the past, both of them talk about you know, acronyms they use, S'mores and Master Pal. And both of them have the idea of slow, like go slow, have a slow rate of, of modeling and so if you don't know where the words are, you are forced to go slow. It can feel weird at first. and Like you said, like, I feel like I should be able to uh, be faster at this, and it feels uncomfortable, but it's actually beneficial to not know where the words are because it forces you to go slow. And I find myself, as I grow more comfortable with different systems, sometimes I find myself going possibly too fast for a student and, and often think like, look how awesome I am. I can put four words together really fast because I'm so fluent on this thing and I feel really good about myself. But then I realize, but this kid is only like at a two word level and I'm just showing off for like, like, look how awesome I am. Like, that's not good. That's not stop, Chris. Stop that. Stop doing that. Go back to just do modeling one or two words. You don't have to make it four or five to show off how awesome you are. Right. Just slow. It's, it's cool. Your jets, man.
1: I love that, and actually, I think that's a really important reminder. Just in general, I see a lot of people trying to jump too far ahead, and you know, it's all with good intention. They're so excited. They're like, you know, wow, like you know, let's keep going. Let's do three-word sentences, four-word sentences. Um, and I really caution, um, I caution that because we really want to make sure we're teaching the foundational concepts, right? Like these linguistic concepts are sometimes, um, you know, take some time for kids to wrap their heads around. Um, so I think. It good baseline is you know are what words are they putting together spontaneously um, and then just one step up from from that um, you know and I think that I see this a lot with the I want phrase um, you know we're 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 going from nouns so they're able to say bubbles or train or whatever and then we're teaching I want train I want bubbles um, and sure kids kid can sometimes learn the motor plans for that um, but are they really understanding the difference right the difference between I and want and a noun um, and I think that a A lot of times, you know, for a variety of reasons, uh, SLPs and teachers and parents are just like really eager to, you know, have these long sentences. Um, But I just caution that we're really making sure that kids understand these language concepts before we keep jumping ahead. Because otherwise, we're just teaching them scripts, right? We're not teaching them the foundational skills.
0: Totally. To- I couldn't agree more. You know, a visualization that I often draw for people because it was drawn for me back in the day before I was even thinking of AAC is that language development is often like a staircase, right? And you, uh, you pick, where, uh, pick a step, usually towards the bottom of the staircase is where a student might, student's level of development is, their language development. But we as, as uh, people who have you know, spontaneous novel utterance generations, we can say whatever we want to say we're at the top of the staircase. And if you picture that, like you're helping a kid climb the stairs, you don't stand at the top of the stairs yelling down to them, hey, kid, can you climb the stairs? You know, you you go down and you be on the stairs and you grab their hand and you're on the same step as them or maybe one step above. This is how you move your foot here. Go ahead, put your foot up. Um, And so it's the same visualization as when you're thinking of language. You want to be where they are or one step above them. Both of those things that I mentioned before, the uh, S'mores and Master Pal, the they both have expand. You know, it's 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 a. I often think of it too like um, improv. You know, like improv has this kind of rule where it's a yes and yes and yes and when when one person is working with the other person improv, the person who's do who starts off the improv starts saying something, and it go, it can be tanked really real easily if the other person that you're improving with says. No, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do that. Instead, to make it fun for everybody, you always add on to what that person said. I'm going to go with what you said and add one more. Uh, and that's, that's the same concept that we're talking about here with, uh, with modeling.
1: Yeah, no, I love I love all of your your metaphors and analogies, Chris. You know this. Um, I think you're really good at breaking down concepts in ways that people can really understand. And I re- I literally just wrote down the note, language development as like a staircase, because <laughs> put that in my back pocket for when I need to explain that concept to people. <laughs> uh, but it's so true. And you know, I, I really think that it's like I said, it comes from a place. a a, a good place, right? People are really excited and they're like, wow, let's see what we can do. Um, You know, but we just want to make sure that we're not jumping too, too fast, um, too far ahead, because I think that um, then, you know, because I I work with a lot of kids with autism and they're really great at memorizing things. Um, They can memorize scripts and they can memorize the motor plans. um, But, you know, I'm really concerned with, do they have a comprehension? Because that's when we know that they'll be able to actually, you know, utilize those words spontaneously and organically and put them together in, in unique ways. Um, and that's what I always love to see, right, is when kids start playing around with these language concepts and using them in unique and, and novel ways. And that's when we know we've really, you know, done the right thing as far as our teaching because that's when we know it's, it's generalized and it's an understood concept, mm-hmm. not just memorized.
0: I think another way to help with modeling, another tip or trick, might be to take a word or words of the week approach. So the idea is we're going to teach two core vocabulary words up and down this week. And we're going to focus our instruction around up and down. And so you, communication partners, all you're really required to know this week is up and down. Now, of course, if you're doing it well, you're probably going to know more than up and down. You can learn more than up and down in one week. But if that's your minimum requirement, at least you're getting that, you know what I mean? And that's like, you can say to anybody, can you learn where these two words are? And next week, can you learn where the next two words are?
1: Yep, you, you took the words right out of my brain, Chris. That was what I was going to say, it was like a core word um, of the week approach. It's so simple to start implementing and it's so effective. Um, you know, I like the approach mostly because it's simple and it gives communication partners one thing to do, um, one or two if you're doing up and down. Um, but giving one word is so great because anybody can learn where one word is right? It it simplifies the process. I think a lot of times people give up before they even start because it feels too overwhelming. It's like, I can't do all these words. I don't know where all these things are. Um, and so it's just like, listen, you don't need to know where all the words are right now. Just know where one is or two. Um, and then we can start building off of that progress the same way we would with our students.
0: Exactly. You know, I think another strategy that works really well is, and this is nothing new, right? This is a, what I'm about to mention is something that we've been doing since the, the dawn of education is, but you get the older students to come in and work with the younger students, you know? This is the peer reading buddy, right? Well, now you could be the peer modeling buddy. You're going to sit here, and I guarantee you the kids are not going to be apprehensive about touching the device and knowing where the words are. You show them where, uh, how to search, and they'll be off to the races, and they'll be modeling for you. And, and that you could use this army of kids to come down and help with other kids and they would love to do it, right?
1: And anytime we can support that peer interaction, I mean, um, I'm down, um, especially with siblings. I work a lot in the homes and anytime I can incorporate a sibling and um, you know, kind of teach them how to use the device and you know, we really need to be teaching everybody everybody that's interacting with the child needs to understand how to use it. And, you know, sometimes people, some some family members, like grandparents sometimes are more apprehensive than others. But um, and I think that's where the coaching piece comes in and um, really just engaging them in, you know, therapy instead of this approach of, you know, I bring, I bring the child or, you know, Oh, it's speech time. Like, you know, I'm going to leave the room really encouraging, you know, Parents and teachers and everybody to see the process unfold, Um, and then looping them in. Um, I work uh, with uh, students and um, CFs and SLPAs, and I think that's one of the hardest things when you're starting out to you know feel confident enough to kind of loop in someone like a parent or a teacher. Um, But you know what? Just you have to kind of go for it, and you know there's a delicate way to to encourage and you know coach. And I just, I would really encourage, um, you know, new grads and, and people who are kind of new to maybe that model of doing things to just like start really slow and, you know, first just show them, you know, and incorporate them into the therapy and then really say, okay, like, how would you feel if you tried this? Um, cause I think just like getting over that, that initial like awkwardness, um, you know, once you get past that, it opens the the opportunity potential and it really allows for a different kind of therapy because i think you know people are really open to that they just They don't know what to expect, right? They 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 show up for speech therapy, or they bring their kid to speech therapy, and it's like they have this idea in their head where it's like, okay, well, Rachel's gonna work her magic, and I'm just gonna sit back and either go get a coffee or like, you know, do whatever. And that's just because that's kind of what the expectation is. So really changing that expectation for parents and caregivers, and 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 I'm the first to kind of say, here's here's kind of how I do things. You know, I really need you to understand how to use this because you know, thirty or sixty minutes a week is not it's a drop in the bucket um you know we really need to be supporting use all day long and you know i really need to to be in contact with and coach everybody that's working with you know your child and so i think that setting that expectation from the get-go it's sometimes hard and it's not easy especially if you're kind of new to to aac and new a new clinician but i think it really is important
0: yeah, I think that's uh, that's it, inviting people in to learn from you and learn together and coach them through it, and, and having the confidence to do that is uh, it's everything, right? I mean, because then you you set the idea that I am not here to fix your child; we are here to do this together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another strategy to help with the communication partners uh, would be creating like cheat sheets. That that go along with uh, the activity that you're that you're doing, whatever the lesson might be. So, for instance, let's say you're reading a book, and and you could make a photocopy of that book, um, like just a picture book, right? And uh, one version that the kids reading doesn't have the picture symbols; it's just the 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 pictures of you know, the the actual book with the words underneath it. And then the photocopy version is for the communication partner that has the same book, but it has the cheat sheet about where all the words are. Uh, So the the communication partner could use that cheat sheet to model a little bit quicker or not feel as uncomfortable. What am I supposed to do here? Oh, wait, my little cheat sheet says when I'm reading this book with this kid, I push these buttons, you know, and it takes all the stress away. It's just following uh, a script, if you will, um, for how to model. And then Usually when you're doing those books, the books, uh, especially for early emergent readers or early childhood, it's repetitive phrases, right? Um, I like ice cream. I like to go out. I like pizza. I like going to the store. And so the I and the like, or I see, I see, I see, I see, it's a repetitive thing. So you need the cheat sheet for the first two or three pages, but then you've got it. And now forever and always, you know where I is, you know where C is on that device.
1: Something similar that I do with with parents actually is if I'm reading a story during one of my sessions, um, what I'll do is I'll have post-it notes with me. And on every page I will highlight one word that they could model from that page. Because um, you know, core words are everywhere, and that's what's awesome about them. So really kind of just like giving a script like here's here's exactly what you need to do. Read this book every night for 10 minutes um, and model these these same words. Um, you know, and so I think it can. You just have to do a little extra planning. And I also think that, you know, that, that, that small activity and that repetition is huge. Um, and, and I often do it with really motivating things. So, you know, if I come into a session, I say, okay, pick your favorite book. Like, what do you want to read today? Um, and I have the, you know, knowledge and I guess expertise of being able to take anything and be like, okay, how am I going to target communication with this? Um, and so I can just... Kind of make the formula for parents um, and SLPs or whoever. Um, and then I'll have ABA read the same book. And, you know, there's lots of ways you can, um, you know, kind of give help to those communication partners. Um, you just kind of have to think a little bit in advance. Like, you know, whenever I'm in a session, I always think, okay, I did this during my session, but how am I going to translate this to other communication partners and other activities? And, you know, so I think that thinking through that lens of always, what kind of homework am I going to be giving so that that we can support generalization
0: yeah you know this takes us back to that pure buddy thing too is that hey guys fifth graders I, ha- I have a friend down in first grade that needs a story written about um you know of all the things we like in this school can you make a story about all the things we like can you put it into a powerpoint for me or a google uh slide presentation and then when you come down you can read this story with them you know and it could be pictures of stuff we like around the school can you go around and do that and that could be part of your therapy in another you know, let's say that's arctic therapy for the kids that are working on L's, you know, they can do their likes, you know, like, 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 and practice it that way but they're building something for someone else so you're not just repetitively doing L for no reason you have a reason that you're learning it, you know
1: I love that idea um, <laughs> you know, on so many levels I think the more we can foster a sense of community amongst the children that we're working with and our school environment the better and what better way to kind of um, tick off lots of boxes at one time which I'm also a big fan of I love efficiency so if I can like do one activity and it translates to less of other you know helpful things for my practice and working with other children Um, I think that's great and I also think like I said it just builds a sense of community with kids and starts connecting them in ways that they might not otherwise have been connected
0: Something else that Lindsay does with the Chatterbox Challenge is that she put it out as a hashtag on Twitter. So the idea there is that, look, I'm going to do the Chatterbox Challenge in my neck of the woods, and maybe you could replicate this in your neck of the woods, and then we can share the results together. Uh, and we can talk about what worked and what didn't and uh, and how fun it was or how fun it wasn't. you know. Uh, but we can share these experiences, again, pulling the all the, the same thing we were talking about that at the conferences the, how we started off this uh, this episode well it's the same idea you can can lean on the shoulders of all of your fellow speech therapists and teachers and and anyone else that is trying to implement AAC by sharing with the the hashtag chatterbox challenge
1: yeah no i love the the whole idea of the hashtag and what i was thinking about you know as we were preparing for this episode was you know, how can we, how can we inspire clinicians out there to create their own chatterbox challenges? Um, what are ways that we can think about to extend such a great idea? Um, first of all, um, because I really feel like I'm thinking about the ice bucket challenge. Remember that saying where everyone was like dumping ice on their head and then the celebrity started doing it and became this like really crazy cool thing that everybody was doing. Um, how cool would it be to have like an AAC revolution? Um, and everybody was, was starting chatterboxes
0: challenges i feel like that's such a great idea so rachel sometimes i feel like we share a brain so i um uh i mentioned the ice bucket challenge during my presentations when i talk about aac or really anything when i kick off any presentation because uh do you know what happened with the ice bucket challenge do you know like the results of it no i when i so i ask people this in in the room and everyone remembers the ice bucket challenge but they don't know what happened afterwards well We raised, uh, we, all of us that did it, raised lots of money, right? Well, where did that money go? What happened? And so I asked people to Google it right there. So take a minute, go ahead, pause the podcast, go Google it. Whatever happened to the Ice Packer Challenge? Okay, unpause welcome back, everybody. Uh, What you find is that they actually had a breakthrough. They they used that money and they had a breakthrough where they found a special gene that is tied to ALS, right? And so it wasn't all for nothing, right? All that money went somewhere and it actually led to something. The, The whole idea of doing challenges works. You know, it really works. And that's what I liked about the, the name Chatterbox Challenge or, or, or anything else that we want to gather people around. I often use it in the, uh, in the context in those presentations. I call it the obligated to share challenge. You have to share something that you're hearing at this presentation or beyond, something you're learning at this conference. Maybe you didn't like my presentation at all, you know, but maybe you learned something in someone else's presentation. You are obligated to share. And, and I want you to put it out for whatever the conference hashtag is so that we're all sharing together.
1: I love that. It's kind of like pay it forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. So without further ado, let's head into the interview with Lindsay Payton Cargill.
1: Do you have an idea for a product or book? Or are you ready to go beyond in-service presentations? Well, how do you get started? And what if you don't have any business experience at all? Well, I have some great news for you. I'm Mailing Chan, and I'm getting the nitty-gritty stories from parents, teachers, therapists, advocates, and people with disabilities who have created successful businesses, and they're sharing their intimate stories with you. Listen to us on the Exceptional Leaders podcast and fast-track creating and building and sharing your idea with the world so that you can help more people.
0: Welcome to Talking With Tech. I am here, I'm Chris Bouguet, and I'm here with Lindsay Padden Cargill. Am I saying that right, Lindsay? Ah, oh, it's Paden. <laughs> Lindsay Paden Cargill. So nice to meet you. I know we've uh, floated around in different circles together here for a while. Like I've heard your name from different people, and, uh, but we've never met face-to-face or really had a conversation. So and for those people who are listening and they don't know you, tell us a little bit, where do you work and what do you do?
2: Um, I am a speech pathologist, and I'm the director of therapy services at Bridgeway Academy, which is a, an educational and therapeutic center for children with autism and other developmental needs with an, a mission to inspire the potential and celebrate the ability of every
0: child. We I love have, that. What a good mission.
2: <laughs> we have about 40 therapists um, in our program, and we're serving uh Between the education center and the therapy center. So we see see kids who attend school and who um, come in for sort of outpatient services. Between the therapy and education center, we're serving around 300 children, a third of whom are using high tech AAC devices.
0: Wow, wow, high tech AAC devices. Cool. Mm -hmm. And just geographically, you're in Ohio?
2: Mm -hmm. We're in central Ohio, Columbus, Ohio
0: gotcha okay cool and so uh when you're serving that many students and and how long you've been doing it lindsay i have been with bridgeway um this is my
2: 13th year with Bridgeway Academy.
0: um, Gotcha oh so you've been there before the whole iPad boom and and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so you might have some experience there seeing uh, augmentative communication grow would you would you agree?
2: I do yes in fact I have a cabinet full of AAC dinosaur bones (laughs) Um, so yeah it's been it's definitely been interesting to be a part of the shift in AAC as technology grows.
0: Uh, So tell me more about the, I mentioned it earlier, the Chatterbox Challenge. What is that and where was it born out of?
2: Okay, um, with so many students who are relying on AAC, we realized that it's like a car. You can't just hand a kid the keys and say, here you go, go figure it out there needs to be um, a significant amount of onus put on the teachers and the parents for that instruction. When we really start to break down what's important for a therapist or a teacher when it comes to teaching a child to use the AAC device, being comfortable with the vocabulary, knowing where the words are stored is paramount. We need everybody to know where the children's words are, are located on the device so they can be modelers because we know from uh, all the research recently that modeling is a very effective therapeutic strategy and it's important for children to see somebody else using the device effectively And for prompting, if I want to teach a child to use a new word or use a new grammatical structure, I need to be able to show them where that is on the device uh, fluently and quickly. Mm -hmm. So when we look at strategies used for learning other languages, which one could argue learning an AAC device is rather akin to,
0: Yeah, I use that analogy all the time. I used it twice today as a matter of fact. This is like learning German or French, right, yeah.
2: Perfect, yeah. So when we look at the best way to learn another language, it certainly isn't going to an hour-long class about that language and how it was developed. It's not um, reading a book about that language or talking about it. It's fully immersing yourself in other people who are speaking
0: that language. The best way to learn Spanish is to go live in Spain.
2: Yes, go to Spain. So the the Chatterbox Challenge is our Spain. So in in order to recreate that for AAC, we've had to pare it down significantly um, and has said, let's start with an hour and let's get everybody around a table in a social setting. And I'm going to come back to that because this ends up being a big part of it. Um, And just for an hour, have conversations, using solely the device Now we started this off uh, for the first time with our speech department about five years ago and then we we challenged other departments in the school to do the same this was around the time of the ice bucket challenge so people were doing something and then throwing a challenge out to um, their peers so we kind of hopped on that model What was most exciting then was that the parents got really excited about this thing. It it was originally intended just to support the teachers. That that was kind of what we thought the scope of this was going to be. But the parents said, hey, we want in on this. And um, they ended up scheduling meetings with me about quarterly. Now, the parents would go to a wine bar, which uh, (laughs) made it a lot more interesting um, for a number of reasons and they really embraced it one of my one of my favorite anecdotes was a parent who had she came to probably our fifth or sixth chatterbox challenge out at a wine bar and i think she was probably a little intimidated by the parents who'd attended before and were very savvy using the devices sure and um she looked like a deer in headlights. And then slowly, she started to you know, peck away at the device and would start joining a conversation slowly. Everybody's having conversations more slowly than with natural speech in this situation. Sure. Um, but by the end of the, probably more like an hour and a half, she used the device to say, I can do this, and made like a, yeah, gesture. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely awesome.
0: That's so that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, I bet one of the takeaways I'm I'm picturing myself at a wine bar using a communication device with a bunch of parents. And what I would imagine a good, that would be a great way to illustrate how little you actually say the word wine, when you're at the wine bar, you know, what I mean, it's it's a, it's a great way to express why core vocabulary is so important, right? You can go to a wine bar, you don't say it is good wine, you just say it is good, you know, uh, I like it. Ugh, yuck, not this one. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. so you yeah. like it, and you can have an entire hour at a wine bar and never say that noun. You know? there
2: were there were a lot of things that we ended up learning as um, secondary <laughs> uh, secondary benefits. you know our our first thought was like, just get to know the vocabulary better, be a better modeler and prompter. I made a mistake when I shared our first event to social media, and I didn't really say this is the purpose of what we're doing. We're doing this to learn. We're doing this to become better modelers and be- better prompters. And um, there were a couple folks from the disability community who saw it in a different light. They, saw it, they said, oh, I bet she knows what it's like to be me now that she spent an hour being nonverbal. So mm. thinking that it was sort of an appropriation thing or an empathy building thing. So I've, I've learned that I have to really say, you no. Know, the purpose is to become a better prompter and a better modeler. So yeah, when I talk about it, I try to emphasize the point of it. Um, yeah. And then, like you said, uh, we started seeing that parents were learning that there was learning to use core vocabulary in a different way or, or more frequently. Um, I had several rules when doing the challenge the first is obviously no speaking and the second and this was this was really hard for a lot of parents was no spelling you know how to spell if spelling is what your intervention was about then then you don't need to be here so we talked about different ways that we could get our points across without using specific vocabulary that isn't in the device so we told them you could circumlocute using core vocabulary if it's not there. And then we talked about doing something that a lot of our children do, which is if a word's not available or if they just don't even know where it is on their device, they might combine two different words to create something new. So we, we had parents who would use the word mall, as in shopping mall, and then the word back, as in the body part, to, to order their mall back. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, fantastic. Yeah, right. P as in the function, body function. No, no. R says P no no R just perfectly. So yes. um, (laughs) So yeah, we had a a lot of parents being very very creative. Same with the teachers. Uh, The teachers were also very creative. Um, Then we started to realize that there was another benefit to um, these challenges, and it was it was beyond the vocabulary. It was beyond knowing where words were stored on the device and uh, beyond becoming a better prompter and modeler. We started looking at it from within the social interactionist framework, wherein a group of people who were all having um, having conversations on the device in a social setting was putting them in the framework that they were no longer, they weren't making I want statements. They weren't saying like, I need bathroom. They weren't being telegraphic. They were commenting. They were asking questions. They were having conversations where AAC therapy so quickly and easily becomes, I want therapy. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: We were able to help parents see, ah, this, I can really say anything with this. I can have conversations, I can ask questions, I can connect with other people using this device, and that sort of was an aha moment for us, like, oh, this is actually what they really needed, like, the prompting and the modeling practice is great, but the biggie here is making connections with other people over AAC.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So can I ask you how many people typically attend one of the Chatterbox Challenge events?
2: Um, When we do it with the the teachers, it's generally around six to eight people. We will have a speech therapist show up with uh, a bunch of our loaner iPads or um, devices that we have on hand. Um, With the parents, that varies. We tend to cap off at around 12, just because that's the number of chairs available in the private room at the wine bar
0: <laughs> right <laughs> where when you go with the teachers you said you make it a social event so you're not doing this in a classroom or at a library or something or do you where where, where um, do you go with the teachers
2: it, it depends on the teachers flexibility some of our teachers would rather just do it over coffee in the morning so it might be in the classroom but we'll try and you know, get everybody around a circle. Some teachers really commit and go for happy hour after work. <laughs> so the more we can get it out into the community, the, the better I feel it works.
0: Yeah, totally. I can totally see that, right? You Let me ask about the devices that are being selected. Uh, from a parent standpoint, it kind of makes sense that you'd be selecting the tool that your child is using, right? You're using oh, that yeah. system. Um, but the teachers, they might have multiple systems. So how do they select, or, or no? No, yeah, we're pretty heavy in one particular system, and so we always just use that, and how does it work?
2: Right, you just opened a can
0: of worms. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> um, everybody that we see uses LAMP, and I can justify why that is if you want me to go into it. Obviously, we do feature matching, we do full assessments, we use the SET protocol. And one of the biggest things that sticks out to us when we do these evaluations is most of our kids have the same profile. They are, you know, the size of icons is, is rarely an issue. Um, navigating or sequencing through one to three hits is kind of the tops with most of our kids. Yep. Um, uh, in Ohio, Medicaid only funds new devices every five years, so we need to look at their abilities now and then assume where we'd want them to be within five years. And so, under the rule of presuming competence, we generally go for something with a very robust vocabulary.
0: Absolutely, and, sure.
2: Um, the the last thing is that while there are a number of systems that fit that concept, especially in the app world, we've found that. When we look at the environment, having an environment that can consistently support a device is so, so, so paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember having kids using multiple systems in a classroom and the level of prompting that a teacher was able to do suffered greatly. It's also probably worth mentioning that Central Ohio is definitely a lamp hotbed pretty much everybody, uh, most of the school districts use it. So it ends up being the most responsible choice to go with Lamp.
0: Sure. Well, No matter the system, I think if you were doing the Chatterbox Challenge and you had a bunch of people in the room together, if you had multiple systems, it'd be hard for them to help each other, right? Which is the same issue that I think you're you're mentioning with the teacher trying to model when I have multiple systems. But if I know this system really well, and a bunch of students are using it, then we all have a better chance of, of being a successful and more obedient modeler, right? I would imagine it's the same thing during the Chatterbox Challenge.
2: Precisely, and even within the classrooms, we have smart boards up in the classrooms where the teachers can project the PATH software and do real-time modeling, where it's modeling for the large group as opposed to somebody being one one-on-one and modeling directly on a kid's device. So, so there's a lot that's gone into uh, why we're all using LAMP.
0: This is a little bit off in the let's make-believe world, right? But I could imagine doing a chatterbox challenge, again, with the primary purpose of teaching, but with bringing some people who maybe you need to convince them that they need to use a robust language system from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and so you give them a system that is not quite as robust you see what I'm saying? Oh, like, okay, you participate in this chatterbox challenge and here's your piece of paper and everyone else gets the lamp words for life or whatever the system might be uh, uh, system and then okay you try and be as, as effective as everyone else you know it might really open the eyes like oh now I see how limiting <laughs> this is you know.
2: Sure yeah no I could I could definitely sabotage that. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To my knees there. <laughs> so, how many of these have you done now? Do you think? Oh, uh, we've probably done 100 at this point
0: wow oh my gosh that's like 100 hours of of chatterbox challenge and i know like i said i originally saw it because you used a hashtag on twitter chatterbox challenge and i was like oh what's this you know um and so uh I'm I to make think, a thing. <laughs> yeah no make it a thing i totally that's I, I love it you know because uh and then i think there's probably other people that have done it you know maybe they're participating in the hashtag or maybe they just said like that's a good idea i want to start doing that too or maybe they've been doing something similar but they mm-hmm. haven't been branding it as Chatter box challenge have you heard of other people that are doing that
2: oh yeah absolutely um when uh and I didn't mention this before but I spent eight years as a a lamp trainer so I was um kind of pushing it back then like hey you know I'm a practitioner this is the stuff that works for us so so yeah I definitely have heard of other people doing it and other people asking for tips on how to facilitate them because just throwing a bunch of devices into your room and saying go for it is is not really the most effective. We have um, written up methods and procedures for the Chatterbox Challenge and are doing some research on it now. We did a preliminary study last year. It was part of a greater study and um, we're wanting to get some more specific data
0: on it and are recruiting at the moment. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Like what does the research look like? What's your, what are, you, what are your questions that you're um, asking, trying to figure yeah,
2: out? Yeah, we're basically looking at the attitudes and the buy-in from parents and teachers before and after participating in a Chatterbox challenge, so we're wanting to mostly look at folks who are new to BridgeWay, who probably don't have as much experience using AAC or um, using LAMP. And with people who come from other places, yeah, I've had folks say like, "Hey, why aren't you using text with this girl?" I'm like, "Because she's making sentences on this device. Like, I, I get that text is your background, but uh, <laughs> she's." She's beyond that at this point. She's doing a lot more with a speech generating device. Uh-huh. Um, so looking specifically at the folks who are new to AAC intervention. So the questions we're asking are, um, does the Chatterbox Challenge influence buy-in by teachers and parents who are new to AAC?
0: Cool. That sounds great. Now, you said you wrote it all up. Do you need help with the research at all? Or are you you're looking for help? Or do you know we've got it? We're, we know... Do you know what I mean? You're not looking for other places. I think
2: we would probably love to replicate at some point. Um, yeah. If we look at um, the, the surveys that we've done so far and, um, and moving forward for this sort of pilot, I think next steps would definitely be trying to recruit and replicate across the country.
0: Awesome. So you said you have this written up someplace um, mm-hmm. with all the steps of what, what to do. W- where can people find that?
2: or one of my blog posts is about our research story and how uh, how our first interaction with the researcher that we're collaborating with at Ohio State, how it's sort of evolved from this one study informing the next study, informing the next study. And um, it's really, really exciting having this clinician-researcher collaboration because we feel like we're really hitting on questions that therapists want the answers to. And then we're staying within the framework of uh, good research design and good statistics that we can get from our researcher.
0: Absolutely. Lindsay, this sounds like a bridge between uh, the research and the implementation, which we, this keeps coming up on our podcast that there's a gap between those two. And this sounds like a bridge between those two.
2: Definitely. We've got three papers into AJSLP at the moment and a handful more um, in the works right now. Uh, so the, the research that we're doing is hopefully doing exactly that, bridging the gap between research and um, intervention, specifically in the areas, um, and we say this a lot, the active ingredients for successful AACs. That's sort of our mission at the moment.
0: It's Um, so funny you say that because I call it necessary components and you're calling it active ingredient. It's like, but but the last part is always the same, which is of successful implementation. Exactly. Yeah. Mine sounds
1: like
2: chemistry Yours sounds like physics, but either way it works.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
2: I posted a fair amount of information on the Chatterbox Challenge on my blog. Uh, The post called Our Research Story
0: and I'm pretty sure I posted it somewhere else. Oh, so we can link right to your blog post about it. What's it called?
2: Lindsay's AAC blog. And that's Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, Lindsay's AAC blog.com.
0: Awesome. All right. So you got the research coming up. Is there anything else that is like, what's next for the Chatterbox Challenge? Is there anything else you'd like to tell people?
2: Um, one of the next steps for Chatterbox Challenge is to... Uh, Watch this space for a published paper, and we will be talking about it at ATIA 2019.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, I'll be at ATIA too, so maybe we'll actually get to meet face to face. Yeah, that would be awesome, right? Yeah, cool. And oh, wait a second, maybe even I know that at ATIA they have the Ed Camp. I don't know if you've ever done one of the Ed Camps, but that might be a perfect. So, the way the Ed Camp works, if, if you're not familiar, is that on Friday night they have an event. Um, maybe it's saturday this year i have to look it up but one night uh, they have where people stay after at the conference and they open up a giant room and then people come and they put up on a giant board what they want to talk about for the next 30 to 40 minutes and you just like fill out an index card and you say i want to i want to talk about universal design for learning let's say and they slap it up on this board and i could totally see chatterbox challenge being one of those slots and then people bringing devices and just trying to talk in this sort of space for 30 minutes social media just just having a conversation about what they've learned at atia or whatever the conversation might be um we could do a chatterbox challenge at atia yes please (laughs) that could be awesome i I would totally be into that totally So, Lindsay, Rachel often asks us, uh, who's one of the other hosts on the podcast, she often says, like, if you had a billboard and everyone was going to drive by and see that billboard, what would you want to be on it?
2: The one thing that I would want uh, parents and practitioners and teachers to know about AAC is that one of the most successful ingredients is to have fun, more specifically, to be the fun. Um, flashcards and structured protocols are not going to do it and even motivating toys are not good enough because I want a child not just to be asking for the toy. I want them to be having a social interaction with me where that toy is more fun because I'm part of it. So be the fun.
0: Be the fun. I love it, Lindsay. That is such a great message. Uh, That that is so awesome. Yes. (laughs) Be the fun. I love it. This is Chris Bouguet for Talking with Tech. Thank you so much, Lindsay, and go ahead and check out the Chatterbox Challenge and check it out on Twitter. It's hashtag Chatterbox Challenge.
1: Well, that was a really amazing interview with Lindsay. I just love all of her ideas, and I really hope that everybody comes out of this interview really inspired um, to start your own Chatterbox Challenge, because I think it's something that could very easily be done with a little bit of planning. And um, I don't know, I'm I'm really inspired to, to think about how I can start incorporating that into my practice.
0: Now, now, Rachel, speaking of challenges, you issued a challenge to the listeners to see if we could get... 100 reviews before the end of the year so how are we doing what are the numbers What are we looking okay
1: at? here's the really exciting news we're halfway there we have 50 so i'm excited i feel like we only had like 30 or something when we started this a few weeks ago and now we have 50 so i'm really um it's looking up guys i think we can do it um, so if you guys haven't already, please, please do give us a review. Um, you just click on the iTunes tab and click on Ratings and Reviews, and then you can just click however many stars you like. I love reading these comments, so I have to share the two comments that we just got, um, or the two reviews that we just got. Um, the first is um, by a- A.S. Sheriff. Um, she says, I'm an AAC passionate SLP and highly recommend this podcast to anyone who wants to establish, develop, or expand their AAC knowledge. I consider this podcast my own personal consult time to listen, discuss, and plan for changes in my therapy delivery. It has given me the tools and confidence to take on new challenges and to set a high bar for myself and my students. Because of this podcast, I've really grown my coaching role in the schools I'm in. Thank you so much for this podcast, which I just loved. Um, We talk a lot about coaching on this podcast, so I'm just really excited that that's um, inspiring people to go and, you know, help coach all the people in their schools and parents and, and things like that. Um, the other one we got was from Kelly SLP. She says, I love this podcast. I'm in my first year working as an AAC specialist for my district. And this podcast has been an invaluable source of information. I'm constantly recommending it to anyone who's involved with, or wants to learn more about AAC. So if you guys haven't, please do leave us a review. I just can't tell you, like I have the biggest smile on my face right now, reading them. Um, it just makes us feel like we're doing, um, you know, we're doing really good work and we're making a really big impact. And um, for that, I'm just so, so grateful.
0: Rachel, we have to stop this challenge. I can't do it. My cheeks can't take it. I'm cramping. My cheeks, I'm totally hurt. Smiling. <laughs> My cheeks hurt from the cramping. Yeah. I can't stop smiling at those things. That's so awesome. That's why we do this. It's so great. Thanks everybody for leaving those reviews and thank you in the future
1: for leaving more. Absolutely. So if you guys haven't already, please do subscribe to the podcast. That way it will be updated every time we release new episodes. Um, You also can join us on our Facebook group. Just search Talking With Tech and we will pop up. We have um, an amazing group that just keeps, people keep joining every single day. um, And we have really uh, engaging conversations in there and we'll often post questions to the group. And um, that's where we source a lot of ideas for new episodes. Um, So please do join us on Facebook. I'm Rachel Madel, joined with Chris Bouguet. We will talk to you guys next week.